Welcome to a special episode of Coffee House Questions. The following podcast was recorded at Rock Harbor Fullerton for a questions class. It will be broken up into about five parts, and so I, we will begin with part one on truth. I hope you enjoy. Uh, well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ryan Polly. I am a high school Bible teacher. I uh, got my bachelor's in theology and then uh, working on a master's in apologetics right now. And uh, last year, I went to uh, Cross-Examine Instructor Academy and uh, graduated from there, learned how to present this material. And this material that we're kind of going to go over is uh, answering main questions about Christianity, giving evidence for the existence of God and that sort of thing. And so to kind of give you an idea of what um, I'm kind of looking at for the next three weeks is uh, this week looking at is there truth and does God exist, uh, the existence of God. The week after that will be uh, are miracles possible and is the New Testament reliable. And then the third week kind of being open. Uh, we could, and we can discuss that afterwards, but either talk about creation evolution or why does God allow evil or kind of one of the other hot button issues. Um, but hopefully kind of what I'm thinking about is that we'll start off with uh, is there truth and then after we kind of finish that section there'll be uh, kind of a Q&A if there's any questions about that section then we can have some questions about that go into the existence of God and then have questions about that and that should take less than an hour um, and then at the end uh, I hear we have this room until about 3.30 and so at the end kind of just be able to open up to any questions um, about anything either what we talked about today or anything else kind of when it comes to reliability of the Bible and Christianity and that kind of stuff. Um, so to kind of start, I, I would kind of want to share why I think this is important. And it's interesting, the first time I gave this, uh, a similar talk like this, I went to a youth uh, group, uh, the youth pastor invited me to come speak, and uh, he was starting uh, studying apologetics with his students. And he felt like his students had grown up in church, or he knew that his students had grown up in church their whole lives, and, uh, but he didn't think that they'd really been tested in their faith, that their roots really hadn't gone down deep, and that they really couldn't withstand some of the challenges that they were going to face in life. And so he invited me to come in, and he told his youth group that he uh, was roommates with an atheist, and uh, that he invited me in as the atheist guest speaker. And it introduced me as the atheist speaker. And, and this is something a lot of people do. It's called an atheist role play. And what happens is, as a Christian, uh, I went into his youth group. He introduced me as the atheist. I spent about five to ten minutes going over why I was not a Christian and then opened it up for question and answer. And these students asked me questions for another 20 minutes. And one by one, I just shot them down. And I brought up objections to Christianity. And in fact, I didn't notice this, but they told me afterwards that after our 30-minute discussion, uh, one of the girls, 12, 13-year-old girl, was in tears uh, because I had destroyed her faith. Um, she had been thinking that what she'd grown up with her whole life was completely false. Um, and the good thing about this, though, is that it happened with me, and it happened with their youth pastor. And so afterwards, I revealed that I was a Christian. We went over how to respond to all the objections that I brought up. And it really, they, they, they looked at their youth pastor and said, hey, we need to study this more. And it realized, that they, they realized, wow, I don't, I'm not as solid as I thought I once was. Uh, my roots don't go down as deep. And sometimes, you know, you don't realize you need, something, you need to train in something until you've kind of been attacked in that area. And a lot of people normally turn to apologetics when they kind of get objections and they don't know how to respond. And other times, uh, and so the goal is to kind of show people, hey, we, this stuff is important. And um, 
Another thing I want to kind of mention is uh, apologetics kind of has a bad rap within Christianity, that it's all about arguing with people, getting into debates, and I'm just going to argue and fight with you and prove, you that you're, prove to you that you're wrong. And it's commonly said, you know, no one comes to faith through arguments. And that's kind of the idea behind apologetics. And that's not really what's happening. And I think that we kind of uh, touched on this last two weeks in church when we talked about, uh, when Kevin talked about last week, that it's about kind of coming alongside someone, walking with someone and pointing them to Jesus. And then this week, kind of being salt and light and having those conversations. And I strongly believe that some people uh, are not going out and having conversations because they're scared that they're going to get a question they can't answer. What if I tell my coworker about Jesus and then they come back with an objection and I don't know how to respond? And sometimes that keeps people from responding. And it's not about, I'm going to prove you wrong and, and I got all the answers, but it's a lot about coming alongside someone, helping them understand, maybe breaking down some of the barriers and helping them see Jesus. And I think one example that I have had personally with this is uh, while uh, a few years back, I had a, a guy come to me and told me that he was, had been going to church for about two years. Um, and then kind of briefly mentioned, oh, by the way, I'm an atheist. I went, interesting. And so I started asking him questions, and, okay, you've been in church for two years, but you're still an atheist. How does this work? And he's like, hey, I, I, I have these things I can't get over. And so I said, hey, I'm, I'm open. Ask me questions. Come to me. Let's see if we can talk this stuff through. So over the next few days, we sat down for hours. And his main objection was uh, the reliability of the New Testament. He had believed from the Da Vinci Code that the Gnostic Gospels, which were written much later, were actually written before the Gospels, that they should have been in there, but someone just went and pick and choose what they wanted in the New Testament, and we can't trust the Bible. And that was one of his main objections. And so we sat down, and I talked about what are the Gnostic Gospels, when were they written, why they're not included in the New Testament. And after a couple days, uh, just tons and tons of questions. At the end of the week that I had with him, uh, he, he, his pastor actually had an altar call, and he accepted Christ. And I went up to him and I said, hey, did I just see what I think I just saw? And he said, yeah, after talking with you, I had no more excuses. And so I think it's not about winning the argument, but it's about coming alongside someone, pointing them to Jesus, but being able to respond. And so to me, kind of going over this information is not, I have all the right answers and I'm going to prove you wrong. But hey, if the opportunity comes up where someone asks me a question, can I respond? If the opportunity comes up where all I have to do is share a personal testimony or a story, can I do that? And I think a lot of Christians are able to share testimony. A lot of Christians are able to share what God has done in their lives. But not a lot of Christians are able to give the scientific or philosophical evidence for God's existence or talk about the Gnostic Gospels or talk about the evidence for the resurrection or talk about why evolution is false. Um, and so uh, that's kind of the goal that I want to focus on here today. And so... Um, I think one thing that this will help is kind of help get rid of that fear of maybe I, I, I don't know how to respond if they ask me something that I don't know and, and kind of help people understand. It's not about breaking down people, but it's about breaking down their barriers that sometimes are blocking them from allowing them to see Jesus. And so that's the goal. This whole goal of this is allowing the Holy Spirit to move. Um, a Christian philosopher, William Lane Craig, I think said it very well. He said... Uh, Jesus allowed the Holy Spirit to work through him. It's not that they use arguments and evidence to bring people to Jesus. It's not that it's, I think that the arguments are going to bring someone to a saving faith, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to use sometimes arguments and evidence to bring people to faith. 
And I think that the Holy Spirit can use a wide range of, of ways to bring people to a saving knowledge of him. One may be going through some of the evidence for Christianity. And so it's just kind of another tool in the tool belt that we can have uh, that we can use for that. And so <coughs> um, another thing I want to kind of be careful with and, and kind of state from the beginning is we have to be able to listen to the person that we're talking to. It's not, again, it's not about responding necessarily to questions, but it's about responding to people. And one thing that I see a lot is that there are a lot of students, a lot of people that will bring up intellectual challenges against Christianity, but what's behind it is an emotional thing. Something bad happened in their life. They don't like God. They hate God. And so they say, oh, God doesn't exist. And it's easy to kind of bring out the intellectual answers. Well, here's all the evidence for God's existence, but that's not what they need at that moment. And so a lot of times, too, it's really understanding what is the heart behind this question? Who is the person? Where are they coming from? And how can I respond appropriately? Because, again, it's not, winning an argument isn't going to do anything if the person is, is more mad at you for, you know, you're embarrassing them or making them look dumb in front of the people or something like that. And so the whole argument, uh, the whole idea is pointing them to Jesus and really understand where uh, they're coming from. And, um, and so we're going to look at four uh, questions as we as over the next two weeks and I think that these four questions if we can answer them in the affirmative yes then Christianity becomes very reasonable to be true it's reasonable to believe in Christianity if we can answer yes to these four questions and so the four questions that we're gonna look at is does truth exist now this is the first one that we have to look at because if there is no truth can Christianity be true of course not if there's no truth, then it's not true that God exists. If there's no truth, then the Bible can't be true. But it's also interesting because if there is no truth, then no book written by an atheist can be true either. Now, this is a major issue within our culture right now, this idea of relativism. Everything is just relative. Whatever's true for you is not true for me. And I make my own truth. And the truth is only what's inside of me. And so we, we have to talk about that first because if truth is just whatever I think, well, then the person that thinks that there is no God and Christianity is false, then they're correct as well. And so we first have to start out is, is there truth and can we know it? And so once we establish that there's truth, then we move on to step two, does God exist? Again, if God doesn't exist, can Christianity be true? And the answer to that is no. If there's no God, then Christianity is false. And so we have to establish, is there a God? And then number three, has that God acted? Are miracles possible? Because, again, if miracles are not possible, then Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then creation didn't happen, and, and we have all these issues with the New Testament and the Bible as a whole. And so we have to establish, are miracles possible? And then the last one, is the New Testament reliable? Is the New Testament true? Can we trust what the New Testament is telling us? And the interesting thing with the, is the New Testament true, is the major character in the New Testament, Jesus, he referenced the Old Testament. And so if you can prove or, or have good reasons to believe that the New Testament is true, you also get the Old Testament thrown in. He made reference to Adam and Eve, and he made reference and quoted the Old Testament scripture, showed that the Old Testament was true and used it. And so if we can show that the New Testament is true, then we also get the Old Testament with it. And so if you weren't here at the beginning, uh, what we talked about is this week we're going to cover it. Uh, does truth exist and does God exist? Next week will be uh, Are Miracles Possible? And is the New Testament uh, true? And so that's what we're going to look at. And again, there'll be some question time for questions at the end of each section, and then an open Q&A at the beginning. 
So very, at the very beginning, uh, does truth exist? Can we know it? And when you're talking about truth, Jack Nicholson comes up. I'm sure you know the movie. Tom Hanks is yelling at him, Colonel, I want the truth. And how does he respond? You can't handle the truth. Now, do you think that there are some people in today's culture that can't handle truth? Yeah. If you say something that is true, but then it all of a sudden you become offensive. You become, hate, you become hateful. You're not allowing me to believe what I want, whatever I want to believe. And I just showed this video to my students. It came out a few weeks, uh, just a few days ago, last week. Um, and at one point in the video, one of the girls says, I don't think it's my place as a human being to tell someone else that they're wrong. And I just thought about that. I thought, how would that work in school? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a high school teacher. What if you and, and my students that say, well, there is no truth, or we can't know the truth, or whatever I think is true is true. Well, every answer I put on every test while growing up, I thought was the right answer. So should I have gotten 100% on every test? Is there a point where a teacher can say, sorry, you're wrong? Obviously, you do it in a loving way. You don't say, you're stupid, you got it all wrong. No. But there's a right way to tell someone that they're wrong. And, but in today's culture, we have a lot of people that just can't handle the truth. You bring something up, and it just, they get angry, they get upset, and we have to be able to tell it like it is. In the video that I showed my students, a guy went onto the University of Washington campus and, and asked the people, what if I told you I was, and then had this wide range of questions. And one of them, he was 5'9", five 5'9", nine, five nine white guy. And he said, what if I told you I was six foot five? And some of them said, oh, I wouldn't believe you. But some of them said, well, if you really think that you're six foot five, then yeah, you are. And he said, well, what if I told you that I was Chinese? And they said, oh, well, if that's, where, if that's what you really feel, then OK, good for you. It's like, no, the truth is telling it like it is. If it's true that I'm here in this room right now, if I say that I'm anywhere else in the world, that would be false. And so truth is what corresponds to reality. And so what uh, we're going to kind of look at is one of the most important things that we have to understand is what's called the law of non-contradiction. Have any of you heard the law of non-contradiction before? This is going to be huge. The law of non-contradiction states uh, that Opposite ideas cannot both be true at the same time and in the same sense. So for example, the earth is round, the earth is not round. Can they both be true in the same time and the same sense? No. So either the earth is round, which means the earth is not round is false, or if the earth is not round, then the earth being round is false. They both cannot be true at the same time in the same sense. So this is a law of non-contradiction. If we can discover what's true, then everything that contradicts it becomes false. Here you have two professors from Oxford University, John Lennox, a Christian that says God exists, and Richard Dawkins, an atheist that says God does not exist. Can they both be correct? Can God both exist and not exist at the same time? No. So the question we have to figure out is, OK, which one is correct? They both can't be right. In today's culture, people want to say what? Everyone is right. Whatever you want to believe is true. That's just not possible. I think John Lennox is the correct one here. <laughs> now, uh, the law of non-contradiction is undeniable to even those who deny it. There's a great video with Frank Turek. Uh, he was at the University of Washington. And uh, 
a guy said, can you explain something that is immaterial that exists? And he said, yeah, the laws of logic. The law of non-contradiction is immaterial and it exists. And the student responds and says, well, then I would argue that it does not exist. He says, so then you're saying it does exist. <laughs> the student said, no, I, the law of non-contradiction does not exist. And he goes, oh, so you believe it does. And the student goes, why are you saying that? He goes, because you're using it right now to tell me that I'm wrong. We can't be right. We can't, we, I can't be right that it exists, and you be right that it doesn't exist at the same time. So you're telling me that you're right, therefore I'm wrong. You're using it. It's undeniable. You can't deny it. And if you try and deny it, you have to use it to deny it. And so how can we kind of look at some of these statements? And the first thing to understand is what is truth? Objective or absolute truth is something that's true for all people at all times in all places. Whether, and here's the important part, whether you believe it or not. Something that's true for all people at all times in all places, whether you believe it or not. And we're going to look at examples of this. For example, when we're talking about God next, if it's objectively true that God exists, even if you believe that he doesn't, it's still true that he does. Uh, whether I believe I'm not in, at Cal State Fullerton right now or not doesn't matter. It's true that I'm here right now at this moment. And so what are some objections to uh, absolute truth? Have you heard this one? There is no truth. Or uh, you can't know the truth. We also have all truth is relative, or this is my favorite. I'm sure most of you heard it. That's true for you, but not for me. Anyone here heard that one? Yeah, that is a common one to throw out. And then the last one, uh, or no one has the truth, and then you ought not judge. That's a famous one, too, that gets thrown around a lot. You ought not judge. Don't judge me. You shouldn't judge people. Heard that one, too? Yeah. So how do we respond to these? Here's the greatest thing that you need to understand. It is by asking questions and you apply the claim to itself. Let me give you an example. If I said, I can't speak a word in English, what's the problem with that statement? Very good. I'm speaking in English. So this is a self-refuting statement. So wait. Did he just say that in English? Right, this is self-refuting. Self-refuting means that if it's true, it all of a sudden becomes false. For example, uh, my brother is an only child. Can't, my parents uh, never had kids. OK, that, those can't be true. Same thing, I can't speak a word of English. Well, you're saying that in English. It automatically becomes false. And so are these other ones. And so what this is called in the book, it's called a roadrunner tactic. By the way, everything that we're going over comes out of the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, by Norman Geisler and Dr. Frank Turek. Uh, if you want to go more in depth, you can read that book as well, because um, we're going to kind of fly over it. But what it does is it shows the person, the person making a claim they don't have grounds to stand on. The claim that they're making is false. And you kind of ask the right question, shows them, hey, this can't, doesn't make sense. It can't make sense and it kind of creates a problem for them. And so let's kind of go through some of these. If someone were to say, there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself and you ask a question, what could you ask them? Is that true? Because if it's true that there is no truth, then there is truth. 
So the statement, there is no true, has to be true. But if it's true, there's truth, and it automatically becomes false. Self-refuting statement. And it makes you look like a genius. <laughs> or what about if someone were to say, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Everything, all truth is relative. There is no absolute objective truth. Are you absolutely sure? Is that absolutely true, or is that just your opinion? Again, you just look like a genius. It's just a simple question that helps you. Well, oh, that's true for you, but not for me. This one's a little bit more complex, but this happens all the time. If someone were to say, it's true for you, but not for me, how could you respond? Is that true for everyone? Is it true for everyone that it's true for you and not for me? Because if this is true for everyone, then it's not just true for you and not for me. It's true for everyone. And so the statement, it's true for you but not for me, it's self-refuting. It's either relative, which that's just your opinion, and I can have my opinion. My favorite when it comes to this is the people that say all religions are true. My religion says that it's the only true one and all the rest are false. So is mine true? Because if mine is true, mine says that all the rest are false. It can't be true that all religions are true. There's no truth in anything but science. The only way we can know truth is through scientific investigation, through scientific experiments. What's the problem with that? Is that a scientific experiment? I had this happen to me. I was in a conversation one time online, and someone said, the only way you can know stuff is through science. And I said, what experiment did you just do to know that statement was true? This is philosophy. That is not science. And so even that is something that we know to be true, but not using science. A couple more examples. Immanuel Kant said, you can't know anything about the real world. Apply the claim to itself, ask the question. Well, then how do you know that about the real world? If you can't know anything about the real world, then you can't know that. Again, I had a conversation that someone said, you can't know anything about God. I said, well, then how do you know that about God? You have to know at least one thing about him to know that you can't know anything about him. And so that statement automatically becomes false. Um, you should doubt everything. This is kind of agnostics. Agnostics say doubt everything. Well, do you, should I doubt that? Should I doubt what you're saying about that? Or um, you ought not judge. What's the problem? Judgment. That's a judgment. <laughs> to tell someone, don't judge me, or you shouldn't judge people, you're judging me. So isn't that a judgment? And are, are judgments wrong? Do we make judgments every day? Yeah. Did Jesus say, don't judge? That's like the very common thing right now amongst atheists. You know, Jesus said, don't judge. Why are you judging people? Did he say, don't judge? Don't judge lest you be judged. What Jesus did, Jesus went after the judgmental. But even Jesus made judgments. When he spoke to the Pharisees, when he spoke to people, Jesus made judgments. It's not the judgment that's wrong. It's the judgmental. And is it, are we judging things accurately? Are we judging the truth? 
And so the truth about the truth, and this is important to understand, contrary beliefs are possible, but contrary truths are not. This happens all the time with my students. They always tell me, but you can believe whatever you want. Well, yeah. If I want to believe I'm six foot five and I play professional basketball, that's fine. But is it true that I'm six foot five and play professional basketball? No. And so a lot of students will say, what? but you can believe that you're six foot five. You can believe all these things. Well, of course you can believe all these things. Contrary beliefs are possible, but contrary truths are not. It cannot be true that I'm a high school Bible teacher at 5'10 and also a six foot five professional basketball player. It just can't be true. You can believe everything is true, but everything can't all be true. Objective truth cannot be denied without affirming it. In order to say there is no truth, that has to be true. And so you affirm the fact that there's truth uh, when you're trying to deny it. Here, uh, Pascal says, um, people almost invariably arrive at their beliefs not on the basis of proof, but on the basis of what they find attractive. Do you think that's true? People believe what they want to believe, not necessarily because it's true or false, but because they like it, it's attractive to them. This is what's very common today in high schools and colleges, what I deal with when I deal with students. Um, and it's not that they've investigated both Christianity and atheism and they've come to a logical conclusion on what they think is true. But what is attractive and what is it? I want to sleep with my girlfriend. I want to go out and party on the weekends. I want to do these things. And if I accept Christ, he tells me I can't do that. And I don't like that. I don't like a God that's going to put limitations on my life. I don't like a God that's going to put boundaries on what I can and can't do. And you know the easiest way to find out if someone is basing their beliefs on truth or what's attractive to them? You ask them one question. If Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? It's a simple question. If Christianity were true, if we could know for a fact that Christianity was true, would you become a Christian? And sadly, I've had a lot of people tell me no. Because if I became a Christian, I would have to change my life. They're not objecting to the truth of Christianity. They're rejecting to they don't want limitations or they don't want guidelines put on the way that they act or live. Another big one is pride. What do you have to do when you become a Christian? You have to humble yourself and say, God, I can't do this. Help me. Please forgive me. I'm not good enough on my own. And what a lot of people come to the conclusion of is, no, I can do this. I don't need any help. I'm going to do it on my own. And they, they have that pride issue. And so a lot of times, no, they, they just want what's attractive, not necessarily what's true. And so the one question, if Christianity were true, would you become a Christian? It's an amazing question to ask because then that really helps you. Are they rejecting it because they think that it's false and that some other view is correct? Or are they just rejecting it because they don't want to humble themselves to God and they want to keep living their own way? And so it's very important to kind of ask that question. And so that, I think, kind of wraps up and hopefully gives you an idea that in order to have truth uh, or to deny truth, you have to affirm it. And the law of non-contradiction says, hey, anything contrary, two things cannot both be true in the same place, same time, in the same sense, in the same way. And so what we've kind of done so far, I think, is really kind of shut down this idea of relativism 
that all truth is relative. Whatever you want to think is true is true. That can't be true. And uh, postmodernism, that we can't know the truth. It's fascinating, you know, if you find a postmodern that says we can't know the truth, it's like, well, do you trust your medicine bottle when you read it? That it's not poison? Right? We want truth with everything. When you go to the airport, do you want to know that when it says the gate, you know, it's flying to uh, Dallas, Texas, that it's really going there? Do you want your doctor to tell you the truth? When he says, hey, you know, can you imagine if the doctor says, hey, you have this disease, I have this medication, this is going to help you, and you're like, we can't know the truth, I don't know if you're right, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> of course we can know the truth, and we expect people to tell us the truth. And it's interesting because normally people want to apply it in every area of their life that we can know truth, except for when it comes to religion. All of a sudden, when it's something that they don't want to accept, maybe because of pride or like we talked about, it's not as attractive, that, okay, now we can't know the truth. You know, maybe all religions are true. We can't know anything. Really? We can't know anything? Of course we can know something. Um, any questions or comments on does truth exist? Yeah. I think you might have answered it. So, um, but it's more within uh, within religion as opposed to like, does God exist? But you brought up um, one of those things was it's true for you, but not for me. Mm -hmm. um, and then my thing was, I think there's stuff within Christianity that could be true for some people and not for others. Like if you like certain religions believe um, of doing things certain ways, and then other like other Christians like uh, like Protestants versus non-denominational you know like mm -hmm. there's differences within yeah. religion can they both be true at the same time yeah um, do they contradict each other but then you might have answered the question when you said that um, beliefs can be different beliefs are possible but not contrary truth yeah and so I think your question is can, is it possible for the, there to be some things that are true that change and other truths that are objective uh, the answer is yes and let me explain it this way. Um, think of a relative truth as something like your favorite ice cream. Right? My favorite kind of ice cream is coffee. What's yours? Chocolate chip. Chocolate chip. Is it true that my favorite kind of ice cream is coffee? Yes. Is it true that your favorite kind of ice cream is chocolate chip? It's mint, that light. mint chocolate chip. <laughs> all right, all right. Mint chocolate chip. Yes. Okay, so are those, are, are those both statements true? Yes. But those are just opinion, uh, our own personal preference. It's a subjective feeling. Now, there are, now, the question is, is that how God is? Are there, is everything that way? Is everything like a personal preference? And if you ask the same question, well, if I say God does exist and you say God does not exist, can those both be true just like our favorite ice cream? Can my, and this is one thing I ask my students, can my believing in God's existence, does that all of a sudden make him pop into existence? And you believing that he does not exist make him snap out of existence? No, either God exists or he doesn't. Um, and so we have to kind of understand this difference between objective truth, something that does not change like God's existence, and then things that are personal preferences, like your favorite color, kind of ice cream, your favorite color, those things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, question. Okay, so I've heard this before a lot, um, especially being a science teacher. It's like sort of, it's true until proven incorrect. So we believe the earth to be flat and that was true, that was true, that was true until it was proven 
false. So God's <coughs> existence is true until proven like false, or is if we can't say that it's true because there's no way to prove it false. Is what I guess I was saying. Yeah. Um, I would disagree with the first part of it, that everything is true until proven false. And, for example, with the reference to, okay, did, if people believe that the earth was flat. Now, did their believing the earth was flat, did that make the earth flat? No. Now, we didn't know, maybe. Some would argue differently that that wasn't an actual belief, but let's just say it was. Even with their believing the earth was flat, well, was the earth flat? No. So was their belief correct or false? It would be a false belief. And so that's where we kind of talked about objective or absolute truth. It's true for all people, all times, and all places, whether you believe it or not. And so even if every single person on this planet, if we all believed the earth was flat, we would all be wrong. And the way I, th I think about this, too, is with math. What if every single person believed 2 plus 2 was 5? Every person would get, be wrong. It's not 5, it's 4. And so it's that idea that sometimes we don't know the right answer. It, it doesn't make our previous answer that was wrong, it doesn't make that correct. Does that make, make sense? Yeah. Okay. Any other questions before we jump into does God exist? Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to part one of the questions class at Rock Harbor Fullerton. Uh, the other four parts uh, are listed, uh, posted here. You can also find them at uh, coffeehousequestions.com. I have posted an article titled uh, RHF Questions Class Week 1. There you can find some additional videos and resources uh, responding to some of the questions uh, that were asked. So thank you so much for listening. God bless. Restore my life to you again